Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. What we looked at last week was Paul was reminding Timothy of the past and what, how these foundational moments in his life, um, he reminded him of Paul's faithfulness that had happened in Antioch and Lystra. And so Paul had seen that, uh, or Timothy had seen that because he lived in Iconium. He was living there. And remember the wild story. Paul was killed. Literally, I thought he was dead. Uh, he was stoned and dragged out of the city. And he gets up and he walks back in. And, and we know that was impressionable on Timothy. But uh, all those memories build up this, these memorial-type stones. And so uh, part of what makes a uh, man of God would be those kind of memories, remembering all that God has done, remembering everything he's done and how faithful he's been, looking back at your life. So that would be a big, crucial part. And then today we're going to be looking at part two, which is teaching the scripture. So we're going to be looking at the, some really uh, well-known, powerful verses on the scriptures. So uh, if you'd stand, we'll read through uh, 14 through 17, and then we'll pray and get started. But you must continue in these things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time this morning. And we pray that you would speak to us, Lord, through your word, by your spirit, that you would touch our hearts, open our ears, open our eyes, Lord, that we can see what you want us to see, hear what you want us to hear, that we would come here without trying to control the narrative or control the, the story or control our lives, but we'd allow you to penetrate uh, into our minds the way we think and into our lives the way we live. So God, we pray that we would remain receptive to that and that uh, you'd break down any calluses or hardness of heart and, and soften us, Lord, to whatever you need and want to show us. And we, So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys may be seated. Um, quick, quick way reminder. Second, this is the second letter to Timothy, who's ministering in Ephesus from Paul. Uh, he calls Timothy his like son in the faith. Uh, they're really close. Timothy's the pastor. He's gone through a bunch of hard stuff, and Paul's constantly encouraging him, and he's he's literally he's charging him, like like Timothy. You got this, man. Stand up. Timothy, just don't back down, man. Timothy, keep on trusting God. And so he's got these charges for him, and he's encouraging him. And also, this is Paul's last letter he's ever going to write. This is the end of his life, and so there's some urgency to that as well. So um, uh, leaving off on last week, the very last verse, 13, was, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Uh, so knowing that there's going to be, things are going to get worse, and then they're going to get worse. Uh, and there's this ongoing deception. We can see this, how easy this is to happen, uh, which is something we, you know, you think, how could everyone be deceived? Well, you can easily be deceived. Uh, 
that's what magic is, you know? Like, we've all been tricked into thinking. Have you ever seen where someone does it, like, right in front of them? Like, they're like, boom, 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 and they throw the ball, and they're like, where'd it go? And you're like, they threw it back there. How can you not know? But you're deceived, right? So what's the response to that deception and those imposters and all this? Um, It's not to freak out or anything like that. But it's to do this. But you, Timothy, must continue in the things which you have been, which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus or Christ Jesus. So this is your response to evil men and imposters growing worse to worse, as they're deceiving. Anchor yourself in the truth. Anchor yourself in the real thing, right? It's, it's, it, it, you're going to get so weary trying to combat every little thing you deal with. Anchor yourself in the real thing and be rooted in something that grows out of you so you're not trying to kill everything else around you, right? And so obviously we've got to inter, you know, intervene and, and, and be involved in culture. And we've got to speak to things that aren't true. But if, we're all, if all we're doing is trying to just constantly be trying to knock everything down, uh, we'll have no spiritual foundation ourselves and we'll find ourselves in a world of hurt. So anchor yourself, build yourself up in what you've been taught. Okay, and it was since childhood. Continue in what you've learned and been assured of. Continue on in what you've learned. So uh, what do we know about Timothy? We know that his father was Greek, but that his mother's side was Jewish, okay? And so uh, we know he had a grandmother whose name was Lois and a mother named Eunice, and we know that they were pretty awesome, right? In Second uh, Timothy 1, Chapter 5, he says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So he was raised in the scriptures. So uh, what would the scriptures be for Timothy being raised in a Hebrew household? Yeah, right. We were like, we're looking back at what we see as Old Testament too. Right, And so he would have known all the scripture from the past. Because remember, literally one of the books of the Bible is being written right now. One of these letters. And so it's, it's important to understand they weren't walking around necessarily with New Testaments or like whole Bibles or they definitely didn't have it on their phone, you know. So they're uh, listening and hearing the Old Testament. I think this is really important. We're going to talk about how all scripture is given, how important all scripture is. And I think having a understanding of the Old Testament, which is kind of gone by the wayside in general, uh, it's like seeing in 3D. When you understand the Old Testament and you understand the plot lines and, and the story and the buildup, uh, it just makes the New Testament pop, you know? It just gives so much more texture. You're just like, wow, man, that's even better than I thought. And, and, and when you understand all the imagery and the pictures and, and throughout all of Scripture, there's all these different writing styles too, right? There's poetic writing, poetry. Uh, there's apocalyptic writing, which is just wild. And uh, it's so figurative and, you know, it's like so many things we can see and, 
and it, with our minds, and it's like sparks the imagination. And then we have historical writings, you know, that would just be more like this is history being written down for us. And then we have um, letters, and, and so all these different styles and types of writing, it all helps to form our understanding and see it the big picture, right? What, how do we experience life? Through, the, through senses, right? We have all these different senses. And when you're missing one of your senses, you're kind of missing out a little bit, right? Um, did anybody, uh, I mean, I don't, actually, don't raise your hand because I don't know, but uh, what was one of the symptoms they said of COVID was you lose your sense of what? Smell or taste. No, taste, right? Both. Yeah, both. That's pretty wild, you know? Did you go, ah, oh, whatever, I don't really... I don't know. I don't think about smelling or tasting that much, I guess. I mean, yeah, you do when you don't, whatever. You, like when you can't. Remember a friend of ours, uh, their daughter got COVID and she couldn't taste anything, yet she ate the last brownie. And they were like, why did you do this? Like, why did you eat the brownie? You can't even taste it. What's the point? I mean, if there's ever a time to go on a diet, it's when you can't taste anything. But you, you actually, what's interesting is, uh, that there's more to food even than just taste or smell. What is it? Some people cannot eat certain foods because of what? The texture, right? I can't, oh, I just can't handle the texture of that. That's something I can't handle, whatever. But we have all these different senses that help us experience things. Maybe you remember Thanksgiving growing up. You know those smells, don't you? You know what it feels like to, to uh, grab onto a warm roll or whatever. All these different things that are valuable. And, oh, man, that just reminds me. That just brings me back. And you taste it, and it's a taste of your childhood. Stuffing, mashed potatoes. Because it's going to be Thanksgiving, like, tomorrow, by the way. If you haven't noticed. We're, all of a sudden, we're in fall. You know, it's like, anyway. But we, so there's all these different senses, the way we experience life. Well, God knows this, and he gives us all these different examples of the way Scripture's written and how it's written. And so if we understand it, we're growing, we're learning from every different angle, we get this really beautiful, in-depth, dynamic picture of the work that God has done. And it blows our mind, and it helps us to trust in him even more. Uh, and then our lives are, in a sense, a microcosm of that, where there's all these dynamics and all these different pieces, and did you accept Jesus the first time you heard him? You know, sometimes yes, a lot of times no. What were the pieces that brought you to that place? What were the situations? What was the message you just happened to hear on the radio or the person you just happened to run into? Our lives are like these dynamic pictures of God's beautiful working. And so the Bible, the scriptures are, uh, that is what they are. They're like each part has a point and a purpose that drives us and brings us closer into the story so we can understand the heart of God and how he views us, what he's created us for, and how that makes a difference in our lives. So Timothy is being reminded to, to keep doing, keep building on the foundation that st was started with you young. Um, you want to know what's really cool about this, parents? Um, those foundations are valuable, okay? Do you see that, how valuable it is like to start and anchor your kids? If you can train your kids with good ethics, work ethics, uh, good habits, you really kind of set them up in some ways, right? But there's nothing greater you can do 
for your children, the next generation, is to raise them up in the way of the Lord in knowledge and understanding. Right? And, and we remember we talked about that in Deuteronomy, you know, where we talk about it as we go to bed, as we wake up, as we walk, as we, everything we do. We, we involve our, our kids with it. You're with us, you know? Not to embarrass anyone, one of, my, one of our children I was talking with yesterday. We are just driving, and we were, like, chatting about things. And we had a dialogue and good questions, good conversation. And it's like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have this ongoing conversation and, and growing in understanding. I was honestly, like, blown away by the understanding of said child. So it's all good things. Could I say it's that this person's in the room right now? Okay. Um, <laughs> But it was, it was like, that's, that's what we were created to do, is to have these ongoing conversations and to have, be bringing up scripture and to be pointing to uh, the, the, the grand story of all that God's done. We've got this, this uh, Bible that we, it's not a Bible, it's more of like an overlying storyline of the Bible and explains it all in a real succinct way that constantly reminds you of in every page but there's going to be one that will redeem. There will be one that will make right. There will be one that will crush the serpent. And so we bring up this in every way we can, in the most creative ways that we can think of. And so that, that's what Timothy had experienced, and it had a lot of value. And so Paul says, you've been given a foundation, now continue on in it. Uh, and, and remember the things which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Remember the things that are able to make you wise, right? So you can discern and understand what it is, what it isn't. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture given by inspiration of God. The word uh, inspiration is theo... um, Neustis, Neustis, right? Okay. Um, so Theo would be God. Neustis is the same. It's like the root word for like pneumonia. So it's breathing. So it's God breathed. Scripture is God breathed. Uh, and he uses men to write, right? Uh, write it, but it is all God breathed. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed and it's profitable. So, um, Scripture, obviously talking about the Old Testament, what we know as the Old Testament, that would be part of it. But then there's the New Testament um, as well. Um, and so Timothy, or I mean, sorry, Peter reminds us, 2 Peter 1, verses 20 through 21, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Spirit. So that's the the breathing in of God. He's breathing it into men. Um, and, and some people really have a problem with this. Like, why did you use men? Men mess things up, right? Well, the, the, the thing is, is God always uses us. Like, that, that was always his plan. Like, that was like the purpose of creation was to do it with us. So the fact that there's a partnership involved with man is exactly what he had always planned it to be. But it's, don't be mistaken that that means that it's going to be fallible or in error. It, it is infallible. 
Because it is breathed by God, used by man. Can a man be used by God to do godly things? I, that is what we are here for. In the image, we're made in the image of God, created to do good works, to be a representative of Him. We were not created to blow it. Like, and, and so sometimes we, we just think about our own lives and we think, man, I do, I fail a lot, I mess up. And, I do things I don't want to do, and I, you know, things I do want to do, I don't do, and uh, we can get stuck in that. But uh, we need to, we forget that 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 is the old life. God wants to use and redeem us, and to use us to do things that are literally made um, for His purpose, for our purpose, in partnership. So that's the idea. God uses man, holy men of God, spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. God breathed it in um and so there you go god chooses to use man that's like his desire um and he will because he wants to use us and he wants us to remain close and and useful and faithful towards what he's called us to um god's word will stand has stand right right now i think we see there's a another attempt i mean it's it's this happens again and again, right? Where the scriptures are trying to be marginalized and, you know, try to make, be made look foolish. And how can you believe in a, you know, 2,000-year-old book and, you know, all this. This is not the first time this has happened. God's word has and will continue to stand against the greatest persecution, his word will not return void. Void, And so even as we're living in a world where the Bible's trying to be removed, um, and it's so funny because even like the stuff that, uh, you know, is highest of priorities right now in the world we're living in is things like justice. And where does the idea of justice come from? It comes from God. Like, so a lot of, like, where we're getting our values and where we want to take society as we move forward is all godly ideas, but we're trying to remove God from the equation. And so as you do that, the damage will come later. You know, you can remove the foundation. You think it would be good for a little while, and uh, eventually there will be a fallout because you'll realize that you've removed the thing that made all other things possible. Is it good to, to look for compassion and to love people? and to have? Yes, absolutely. But where does that come from? From a heart that's united with a God who's benevolent and compassionate and by his own definition cares about us. So if we remove him out of the equation, what we're going to find out is that we're all going to be self-seeking, all about ourselves, exalting. They'll look around and see there is no king and we'll exalt ourselves, lift ourselves up as our own king and our own gods. Tale as old as time. So it's important to understand, though, that even in the midst of these things, God has constantly humbled those who have exalted themselves above him. Uh, you know, did a little bit of research. In AD 303, the Roman emperor Diocletian issued uh, an edict to destroy Christians and their Bibles. And he even made like a monument above a burned Bible. And it was extincto nomine Christianorum. Yeah, there you go. The name, of Christ, uh, the name of Christian is extinguished. And so he like made this great claim that Christians are done. I, I, I am going to make them extinct. 
25 years later, he's long gone, and there's a new uh, emperor named Constantine who made sure that there was a Bible in, like, every church, right? So it was like, you think you know, you have no idea. Another one, uh, well-known French philosopher Voltaire, 1694, he lived 1694 to 1778, declared in 1776, 100 years from, uh, from my day, there will, be, there will not be a Bible in the earth except one that is looked upon by an ant, uh, antiquarian curiosity seeker. 100 years later, Voltaire was dead, and his own house and press were being used to print and store Bibles by the Geneva Bible Society. In 1778, Voltaire bragged, it took 12 men to start Christianity, one will destroy it. He called Christ the cursed wretch. I think that's hilarious. I, I did a little more digging into that. And uh, apparently um, his house was auctioned off and, you know, the Geneva Bible Society bought it and then used his press to make Bibles. God is not mocked. God is not mocked. And his word stands true. Good luck finding any other book that's even close to 2,000 years old that has any relevance, really, to the society like the Bible does. It, it reads like, uh, you know, a future, it's like, it's just so perfect. And you're like, you're looking at this, even like what we've been reading the last couple of weeks, and you're like, ah, that's happening right now. Like, we're watching this happen. And what's so interesting is, is that not only was it written for 2022, it's it, every generation has been able to say that's happening right now because the Bible doesn't cut to, you know, because we always think our generation's so unique. We've got it figured out. We're different. We think so differently. We're so much smarter than the generation before us. You know, what's funny is I think each generation kind of tries to fix one of the problems from the generation before them. And in a sense, they're effective in that, but they open up 10 new problems that the next generation is going to have to fix, you know? It's kind of like uh, when we were going through the uh, premarital or, or uh, one of our marriage studies, um, Ken Krikak, he said that uh, most people would leave their spouse who they have 80%, I think we said like 80%, like great, everything, perfect, you know, whatever. And maybe there's 20% or 10% that you aren't, aren't met or you don't get or ah, they, we just don't connect in this way. You would leave the 80% for the 20% because you think that's what's lacking. And now you're left with 20% instead of 80 and so that's exactly what we do, generation after generation after generation. And yet, the Word of God speaks directly to each generation, and it's applicable and makes sense to all of us. Why? Because we have a lot more in common than we think. And, and that's what's so interesting is the generational divide. Everybody in each generation has like a, you know, oh, yeah, well, at least we're not like them. At least we're not like them. At least we're not like them. We're different, we're different, we're different, we're different. As someone who's born, I, I've mentioned before, as an elder millennial I, bilingual with Gen X, like I got, I'm, on, I'm in both, both camps. And so I understand the way Gen X was raised because I was like there for a lot of it. But I also kind of understand the way a millennial thinks because I, these are my friends too. And it's so interesting to see how each demonizes each other and looks at each other. And, and, but we have so much more in common 
choose to divide and all these different things. And the word of God addresses all of it specifically. So uh, what is the God-breathed scripture uh, talked about in the Old and New Testament? Timothy grew up on the Old Testament, saw the prophet promises fulfilled in Christ. So what's the New Testament? How do we decide what's scripture? Well, Peter calls Paul's writing scripture in 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 16. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So Paul is being, Timothy is calling Paul's Paul's writings, scriptures. He's, he's lumping them in with the rest of scriptures. He's also saying, Paul's hard to understand sometimes. Does that help? Right? We go, what are you talking about? You know, even Peter's like, um, Paul's writings, some of which are a little hard to understand, are scripture given by God to be brought in with the rest of Scripture. Okay, so God breathed Scripture. Old Testament, New Testament is what? Profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Profitable. So it means it's useful or it's beneficial. It is of great value to us to understand and to, to heed these God-breathed words. First, what is it useful for? There's kind of broken up into two sections here. Um, Two of them are for doctrine or teaching, okay? Uh, and then the, the other two are how that plays out in conduct. What you could say is orthodoxy and orthopraxy. So the, the, the things you understand, the things you believe, the way you, 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 you get it, the way you have grabbed onto Scripture and as it's grabbed onto you. And then the second section would be how that plays out in reality. You say you believe, Show me. So, first one, doctrine. Doctrine teaching, okay? Profitable for doctrine. That doctrine is teaching. And we've talked a lot about this. Understanding, knowing why you believe what you believe. Getting it. Uh, that's super, super valuable and important. To know why we believe what we believe, okay? And then, reproof. What's that mean? It's under, our understanding being corrected by the word of God. So here's how this can get messed up. Even if you've got a great life of reading the Bible, you have a great like devotional life in the sense of, I read my Bible every single day and I just go right through it. Here's where this gets really messed up, okay? Is when we read the Bible where we already know what we think and how, what we want it to say. This is where we, we come in with preconceived ideas and notions. And we go, and they're unshakable. They're not movable. Like, this is, this, is what, this is what I believe. And everything I'm reading in is either for others, as far as, like, reproof, or to uh, build on what I already believe. It's to continue to bolster my opinion. Okay, 
And this is easier to do than you think. <laughs> so that, that's, but this is the understanding. That's why the reproof is really important. So as we read, and, and as we read the scriptures and we recognize them as the word of God, spoken forth, God breathed into us. We say, God, I don't have it all figured out. I like, I actually think I have more figured out than I actually do. I believe I know more than I think I know. And so I am open to you changing my mind on this. I mean, like, let's actually do show of hands. How many of you have thought one thing real, like you were sure, certain of it in scripture, and then you found out that you had a really bad misunderstanding of what the Bible was actually saying about that? Anybody? If we're honest, yeah, it's all of us, right? And, and, and it's like, I thought I knew what that meant. I thought I believed what, and a lot of times it's, it could be just completely benign and you didn't do it on purpose. But a lot of times it's because it builds into our own ego uh, and it builds us up and it gives us a, an ability to have control. Lipness test for this. When I read something, do I think I could use that to tell that to somebody else or that should, they should learn this. Or do you go, then this is hitting me pretty hard. I uh, see some pretty big discrepancies in my life. I see where I should be and I see I am not there. I also see that I'm kind of doing a dead religion thing and I'm on ultimately looking for control in my life. So I'm even controlling God and how he can speak to me through the scripture. What does that look like? I mean, that, that is idolatry. That means you are the one that's in charge. That means you are the one to be worshipped. And this is so easy to do. And how does that play out in our society is um, we, we live this all the time where we control what we, what we hear. We control what we see. And it's been helped with the algorithms of social media. It's called an echo chamber. So what What happens? You decide that you, you look at something, say on social media or a YouTube video or something, and it's got a certain view on it, and then all of a sudden there's 100 more videos that look just like it. And so you go, wow, there's a lot more evidence to affirm my view. I shall go deeper into this. And so as you're going, now there's even more, and it gets deeper, and it gets deeper. In a sense, it becomes more extreme as you go. And what's the result? I am right about everything. But it's been, it's, it's a, it's been catered to you specifically to make you think you're right about everything. Do we have any idea how toxic this is? And so then what do you do with if there's anybody in your life that disagrees with you? How dare they disagree with you who has all this backing in your life? All these videos to prove you know what you're talking about and you have a conversation with someone that disagrees with you, that kind of toxicity needs to be cut out of your life. Out, gone. I can't have you around because you're, you're, who are you to question me? See, this is, this is rotten. And, and I don't think any of us would really, we wouldn't think, we wouldn't purposefully do this, but we do this with the Bible. And so we look at it and we go, oh, cool, yeah, teach, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, I totally like that verse. 
That's like a really good one. I'm into it. And so we go, life verse. Cool. And then you read another one and you're like, I don't like that one because that one hurts. That one kind of seems like it's directed at me. Let me see if I could find someone that could take the edge off of that one and see if I could find a commentary that will make it not say what I wanted it to, what it says. And, And we go, oh, that's lunacy. Is it? I think the start of this, I mean, it started with like the whole 24-hour news cycle where you pick your, your, your narrative and you just go all in. And so that's like, why we, where are we at? We're divided. But we've got to be careful. We can look at the world around us and go, wow, what a mess. I can't believe people are just buying into all this and they're just going wholeheartedly. But if we're doing this with the word of God, man, we are in a heap of trouble. And we are. So what do we say? God, as you speak to me through your word, as I know it's God-breathed, as I know it's, it's meant to change and shape the way I think, the way I live, my lifestyle, uh, both in the positive and to correct things that are absolutely off about the way I think. I was confronted with a few of those this week. You're just like, you are way off on this. And I was like, ugh. So that you have a decision to make. Do you just go, eh, one man's opinion? Or do you say, you know what, like, that's not, that does not belong here anymore. God's so gracious. He's so merciful. He brings it up for our own good. But he brings it up. So we have to ask ourselves, how are we reading the Bible? So one way to read the Bible, and I think it's actually an important way, is informationally right? We look at it. We see what it says. It's, you know, we break it down. Yes, this is what it's talking about. It was written to these people at this time. And then the other part is as it relates to you formationally, how does it form us? How does what I'm learning, how does what I'm reading actually form our lifestyles? And the way you do that is not by blowing through, man, I could, I read I read 35 chapters today. Well, that's awesome. Did it change you at all? That's what we got to ask ourselves. Or you can read uh, one chapter or less and you meditate on it and you say, God, where am I off here? Holy Spirit, penetrate my heart. Show me, search me. Look for anything in me that's off. Form me more into the image of Christ and sanctification so that I could be set apart, so that I could be dedicated to God because I don't want things in me that are toxic because they don't go away. And so we look at our lives and we see all the toxicity, all the mess and all the things that are brokenness that has hurt us over time. And, and, and we think, oh, if I just bury it or if I, if I get rid of the voices that try to tell me it's bad, it'll go away. But it doesn't go away and it hurts everyone around us. We think it's only involving us, but no, it doesn't. Our spiritual growth affects everyone around us. How do we know this? Your parental, your parental relationship has a lot to do with, your, with the way you view yourself, doesn't it? And it has a lot to do with the way you'll parent your children. How do we know this? The data is everywhere. And, and how else do we know this? We can talk to anyone here. You've been deeply formed by real relationships you've experienced in life. So, doctrine, teaching, uh, scriptural reproof. Help me to see where I'm off. You know, it's like 
rebuking your mind that says you are not God and that is not aligned with God. You know the word ortho, like orthodontist, what does it mean when you go to the orthodontist? What are they going to do? Charge you a lot of money. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, what are they going to do? Make what? Your teeth what? Straight, right? That's the idea. It's to make straight. The word of God does that. It makes things straight. How do you know what's straight? The word of God shows you. And then you have to say, well, I don't believe in that kind of a line. I'm more, I'm more of an out there kind of a thinker. You go, great, but this still exists. And this is what you've been called to. And this is where you'll actually find hope, healing, peace. But we'll never get there if we don't allow God access to our lives. And so a lot of the times when you first get saved, you come to this place and you go, God, you got the whole thing. Whole thing. And I remember that was a big part where I decided to fully give my life to the Lord. I said, I'm willing to go be a missionary in Kosovo. That was like my plan. Would not have been a good idea. I was like, novice. Yeah, send him to Kosovo. Um, but I remember thinking, like, I was serious about it. I was going to sell my truck, and I was going to move to Kosovo. I, I, I went into some meetings. I, we were talking about the finances, what it would take, all of that, seriously. And I remember being like, what else could I do? What else is better than giving my whole life over to God? And then you, you continue to go and grow. And, and then you find that you accidentally, you don't do it on purpose. In, in you know, I guess you don't do it uh, consciously but you start building barriers in your life from where God doesn't, isn't really you know, invited into. The Holy Spirit's not invited into that part. I've got that part figured out. He's like, that part is what's killing you. Can I please have it? You go, no, I've been a Christian a long time now. I'm good. I've read the Bible a lot. And he's like, right, there's no application. There's no, what, what's going on? And so this is something, whether you got saved this week or you've been walking with the Lord for, for 70, 80 years, we all have to like be in the same place of, God, if, you, if I'm off, you got to show me. If I'm off, convince me. If, if, if I'm not listening to your word and I'm not getting it, change my heart. I don't want to continue on in the path that I was going. Second, this is our conduct, right? So profitable for doctrine, for reproof. That would be like in, in the way it works out, in the way we think. And for correction, for instructions in righteousness. This is our conduct. This is our conduct correction and how we live our lives of righteousness. Like how does this play out in reality? And I'd say if you don't have the first part down, you're going to not be able to have a legitimate second part. But if you don't see the second part, then the first part's not down anyway. Right? So if, if what we believe and what we understand about God hasn't actually taken root in our life, then it's, there's no value. We're not going to see any value. It's not going to come out. Because things you value you protect and you encourage and you bring to light. You put it in important places, right? You have precious metals. You put them in a safe and papers, right? And we don't have to think twice about that, you know? So our lives are a continuum of the way we think. That's, again, 
the way we look at repentance, changing of mind. As our mind is changed as to who God is and what we were created for, our lifestyle will change. That's how we repent. If you don't have that, you'll never really change. And so um, maybe this is like, uh, now I get it. Good. That's where we're all at. We're all getting it and re-getting it again and again and again. Okay. Um, so doctrine teaches, doctrinal teaching, um, sorry. The Bible shapes our understanding of God and life through the learning uh, through learning, and it corrects our understanding and teaching when necessary. We're geared, again, towards informational reading, where we just want information. Uh, one of the things I, I hear pastors say all the time, and I'm not going to like, but it's kind of like one of those things I don't, I'm like, eh. It's like, that'll preach. And <laughs> it's just one of those things I'm like, oh, okay, I don't really like that. Um, nothing wrong with it necessarily. But there is a part of that where you go, oh, that'll be good for them to hear. It's like, that'll preach to me, maybe. Uh, that'll hurt. Maybe that'll be a better way to say it um, towards yourself. So uh, we want to be looking at being formed more into the image of Christ, allowing God to search our life. And so our conduct is corrected by being convinced God knows best and then aligning ourselves, which is faith. We align ourselves in our lives with this truth that God knows us, loves us, knows best, has the best plans for us. So um, he gives instructions in righteousness. Uh, instructions, the word discipline. What are we without any discipline? I mean, I mean it's discipline equals freedom, right? Uh, if you have no discipline, you are enslaved to your desires. You're enslaved to every wind and wave and every little thing that comes, you're enslaved. Scripture shows us what a righteous life looks like. Uh, and so a disciplined life and honoring and following God, Scripture shows us what that looks like. That's why Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So when we look at an example of the life of Paul, he never claims to be perfect, but he's absolutely taking what God's given him and he's using it for his glory. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the man of God may be complete. The word complete is artios. Uh, it means uh, capable or proficient. So what does that mean? That God wants to make us complete in him through the, through the word of God and the working of his spirit to be capable and proficient in following him. You know, I, I think a lot of times we, we believe that, you know, ah, we'll just never get there. I just, we're just never going to get there. So whatever, you know, we're just, you know, God's grace, he knows. I just, you know, I'm so grateful for his grace. We're going to go to heaven one day. But it's like, no, he, he, heaven is awesome. You want to go there. We will constantly be needing his grace, but he's calling us into so much more. So that we can be what? Complete, capable, proficient man of God. And what does it say? Thoroughly equipped to bring, you know what that, that, the, that statement means, thoroughly equipped? means to bring to an end for every good work. That means there's like a level of completion there. Like you, so that you will be equipped to do the work of God. God's desire is that not that you always end up wanting and never getting there, but that as he's transforming your life, we get to a place where we're actually super useful to him. It's through 
working of his word in our lives through the working of the spirit, uh, remaining pliable and, and, and listening, God, what do you have? Where am I off? I do not ask this enough. I was thinking about that even as I'm reading the Bible. I'm like, I don't ask enough, God, how is this me? I go, man, that's really cool. I really like that. I, I, that's fun. I want to share that. Oh, man, I, yeah, people need to hear this. And you go like, well, what, what does that mean about you? A lot of times we like to apply the things to other people. The ones that come to us, we're like, well, that didn't feel like that was for me today. Uh, that didn't feel like a coffee with Jesus moment where he's holding my hand and we're talking, you know. But God desires to do a good work in us. He has given us the tools to be equipped, thoroughly equipped, to be able to actually make it happen. And uh, it's, it's like the fruition of Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created for this in Christ Jesus. So as Christ, the image of God as in us, is, is being molded and shaped to, to, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me as the dead man is being killed off, as the chains have been ripped off, as we're now realizing who we are in Christ, and, and as we're constantly day by day being renewed, as our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. How does that happen? But that's not a natural thing. We, we like to quote those verses and go, our outward man per is perishing, but our inward man is being renewed day by day. If you just go up to someone who doesn't know the Lord, they are not experiencing that. This is a uh, fruit of God doing a work in your life, and it's absolutely a choice. So God can use all the bad things, all the gnarly things, all the hard things, as our outward man is perishing, as we feel ourselves being poured out, as Paul says, like a drink offering, we're being renewed day by day in the inner man. And when the inner man is renewed and made right, everything is right. As we're becoming more and more like Jesus, as we're becoming more and more useful and complete in him, it doesn't mean you'll ever, like, again, you'll never fully be perfect, but you can be equipped for the work he's put out before you. It doesn't mean you're doomed for failure, but it does take work, discipline, and an openness to stay, to, to recognize, man, there, there, I am an idol-making machine in my mind. I am constantly making things that are taking the place of God. And so if I'm not receptive to God pointing them out, I will have a whole closet full of them. And I'll wonder what's wrong. How come I don't sense God working in my life anymore? So, Because we're his workmanship. He's created us in Christ for good works. And he's prepared them beforehand that we should walk in them. He didn't prepare them beforehand that we should know that they could have existed if we were a little better. Or if they could have existed if everything wouldn't have fallen apart. No, this is speaking to the Christian. You have these good works prepared for you beforehand so you can walk in them. It's not a bait and switch. You know, come on out. Let's do it. Come on over here. Yeah, you'll never get there. No, how's it work? Spending time in the word, daily reading, scriptures, spending time alone with God. Uh, being alone with God, especially in a quiet place, scary proposition, isn't it? Silence is scary. 
get in your car. I get in my car. I'm like, okay, podcast, audio book, or man, I'm feeling really relaxed. Music. What are we going to do? What? And it's like, oh, no. My phone's almost dead. I can't plug in because for some reason Apple decided not to get rid of the headphone jack. So you can't charge your phone. And anyway, I don't have Bluetooth. Sorry, guys. That was a little much for you to hear. But, but, but it's like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? I can't do anything. Silence. What do you do with silence? Yeah, silence is, is, a, is a great tool. Because you sit there and you're like, oh my gosh, who am I? <laughs> Start asking these questions. So a lot of times we'll do anything we can to avoid silence. God speaks to us. And then we get into the word. And then he starts pointing stuff out. And we're like, I don't like that. But as he's doing this, he's renewing us. He's making us useful to be the man of God, to be the woman of God that is thoroughly equipped for every good work that he has created and put in place for you that you can walk in them. He wants you to walk in them. He wants us to walk in them. He wants me to walk in them. Chris, to be a better version of this you means you, you trust me more, you honor me more, you, you, you sacrifice certain things for discipline to grow closer to me, and I'll honor that. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you and God bless.